0: This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. You're listening to TGI Sports Talk with your host Keith Angle on Northeast Streaming Sports. <laughs> Good evening everybody. Keith Angle with the college football slash basketball huddle right here on TGI Sports Talk on Northeast Streaming Sports Network. Welcome to all of you who will see this later on Roku. You'll see this at noontime on Thursday. You'll see this live and will be followed by the way by, I always get this wrong and I apologize, the Big Shaw Sports show will be on at 3 p.m. following uh, the TGI Sports Talk basketball huddle. We got a little football tonight too. We got a little of everything. Um, you know, we'll, the the show is going to kind of morph, as I said, into basketball, and uh, we'll still talk some football. We got some things to talk about tonight with Jim Harbaugh with with uh, uh, some of the transfer portal stuff. Uh, oh, Gary. Patterson ended up with uh, Texas as an advisor there after getting fired at TCU and some other stuff. We got a lot of college basketball. College basketball is ramping up. I'm starting to get excited. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the top 25. We'll talk about the, the look of parity uh, that seems to be in the air. Five different number ones so far already this year. 19 different teams in the top 10 um, throughout this these early parts of the season and lots of other stuff. So we'll, and we'll concentrate a little bit on a little bit of the Blue Bloods and maybe a little bit of the, the local, when I say local, the New York, New Jersey, upstate New York area um, as well as we talk tonight and in the coming weeks. So I hope they'll continue to join us as you did on the football uh, show. And again, we'll, there will be football. And if you've got football topics, we'll talk about them. This is going to be you know, from now until uh, March Madness, this will be basketball and football. Um, and you know, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about. will talk about college baseball if that's what we want to talk about. Once we get into the spring, we want to talk about all things college sports. Football and basketball just happen to be the two most popular, right? Uh, we've just finished a very successful uh, college football season, and it looks like it's going to be a crazy uh, college basketball season as we head into. Uh, right now, we're in the heart of the conference schedules. Gosh, we're we're only a little more than a month, uh, I guess six weeks away from from uh, conference uh, championship tournaments, and then obviously March Madness, which all of which we'll be right covering closely right here on TGI Sports Talk College Sports Huddle. Maybe that's what we'll call it for the foreseeable future. How are you guys tonight? Again, I hope uh, I do. I do uh, again always like to uh, thank the groups that allow me to share this uh, uh, show to them. Uh, they're, they're, they've been instrumental in, in the growth of TGI Sports Talk. And, and this show has been very popular with the football. And we hope to make it as popular with the b- basketball as we integrated in as well. And we thank you guys who have followed us religiously, week in and week out. And we hope that you'll continue to do just that, and add your topics and comments, guys. You you, you guys have been a big part of my shows um, and keeping the flow going, and it's been a lot of fun doing that. Uh, don't forget, uh, also, uh, you'll get to see... On Roku, you'll get to see this show at noon on Thursday. Uh, noon on Friday, you'll get to see uh, the Are You Serious uh, show, TGI Sports Talk, Are You Serious, with my co-host of Mad New Yorker, Carlos Chavez. And also our Stream of consciousness show on Sunday mornings, uh, which will air at noon on Sundays as well on Roku. So but you can catch us here live on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and everything else as well. So where do we start tonight? Oh, I guess we'll start there. I was going to start with a little football, but we'll jump right into basketball. Yes. And good evening, Rick Sherlock. Good to see you. Duke suffers its third loss of the season, losing to unranked Florida State. You know, the ACC, Duke's back. You know, the Blue Bloods, some of the Blue Bloods are back, considering where Duke was this time last year, and where Kentucky was this time last year. North Carolina's probably on the bubble. Um, Michigan State got off to a great start, but they're in a bit of a slump. Uh, as as Rick points out, you know, Duke lost to unranked Florida State, which was very strong the last couple of years under Leonard, Leonard Hamilton. The ACC, guys yeah, very, very weak this year. And, you know, in a league that's accustomed to getting eight, nine bids, <laughs> I don't know that you're going to see five bids out of the ACC this year unless teams get hot here in the second half of the season. I mean Duke, as well as they've played, they've been one of the the five teams that have been number one this year. But you know they're they're languishing at four and two in the conference. The ACC is led by the Miami Hurricanes at uh, six and one in the conference, fourteen and four overall. They're one of the teams that have beat uh, Duke as well. Yes, unranked, definitely unranked. You know, I know they lost to – well, Miami – well, Miami was unranked and still is unranked, actually. Good point, uh, Rick. Um, i trying to think who the – I think Florida State – well, let's take a quick look at uh, Duke's schedule since we're talking about it, and we'll just back right back up. So their losses were to, I guess, all unranked teams – good point rick sherlock i knew the last two were but apparently all three of their losses are to unranked teams so duke does you know as well as duke has played and bounced back this year i mean are how many quality wins are there on this schedule right now you know you look at it they did beat kentucky which is a nice win because kentucky's had a nice bounce back year as we talked about uh, let's see who else did they beat. Army, I wouldn't call that a quality win. Not in not in basketball, that's for sure. Uh, Campbell, George Washington, something or other, Lafayette, SIT. They did beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga's their big win. They were they were number one at the time, uh, and that's going to be their big win uh, of the season. Uh, South Carolina State, Appalachian State, Virginia Tech. I mean, these are not by any means great, great wins for this team. And and as I said, the ACC is not up to par of where they've been over the last, well, decades, guys. It's, this, team, this league <laughs> normally has some great strength top to bottom. I mean, look at, you've got Syracuse, you know, in the middle of the pack at three and four. But they're nine and nine overall. Let's look at some of the teams that are in the ACC. We'll stick with the ACC for the moment. Um, we'll stick with the ACC for a moment and look at some of the teams that are normally tournament teams and whether they're going to get into the tournament. Notre Dame, 11-6 overall. Not sure. Not a, a lot of quality wins there either. Duke's going to be in. North Carolina, 12-5, and five, but again, going to be a bubble team. At least they're a bubble team right now. Louisville ten and seven. Wake fourteen and four. One of the stronger resumes right now. Syracuse nine and nine. This team continues to disappoint year in and year out since they went to the ACC. Bad, bad move for 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 uh, Syracuse here. Uh, Boston College seven and eight. Pittsburgh. Jeff Capel thought they were going to come in and turn this team around. Read a big long article in the Athletic about the demise of the Pittsburgh uh, program since Jamie uh, Dixon left for his alma mater at, at TCU. Uh, North Carolina State, it's been a long while since they've been a contender. Georgia Tech with a strong history and uh, at least through the uh, 80s and 90s with Bobby Kremens, they've fallen on very hard times recently. Um, well, Jory, welcome in, Jory. We, we're Uh, well, this is something we can certainly talk about on our Sunday show, but it's not an NFL show. So we're not going to dive too deep into this Um, except to say if Jerry Jones were to fire Mike McCarthy, uh, Jim Harbaugh, I think would be in conversation here. We did talk about, I think Rick Sherlock was talking about in a, in a uh, thread that we had going. I mentioned it, uh, gosh, months ago and I think Rick did as well. Um, This is before, well, it might have been before the college uh, football season, or at least early on, uh, we talked about Jim, Har com- Jim Harbaugh coming back. And, you know, Jerry Jones, if he were to fire Mark- Mike McCarthy, Jim Harbaugh would be high on his list of uh, potential pe- um, potential replacements because Jerry's going for a name. Stetson Bennett staying at Georgia. JT Daniels on his transfer portal. Uh, g- excellent. Excellent. Uh, point uh rick and and good for the uh uh gosh i guess keeping the 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 unit together the cohesive unit together of this championship team um you know bennett has had his detractors but he you know he came up big when he had to in the championship game and uh jt daniel jt daniel boy no speaking well tonight jt daniels who uh has had a star-crossed career as well. Uh, a tra- he transferred once already, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Rick. You can correct me, but I think he started out at USC uh, and transferred to Georgia. Had a, had the starting job for a time. Stetson Bennett won it back and led the team to a championship. So Daniels enters the portal where there's still a lot of good players left. I mean, since we since we're and we'll we'll segue back to, to college basketball, but since we're talking about uh, this topic, let's. Let's jump into a little bit of news in the transfer portal, shall we? Let me uh, just put a banner up here and uh, see if we can get something that makes sense to uh, – there we go. So let's let's take a quick look, a quick gander through the portal and see what's still out there. I mean, look at – quarterback-wise, you've got Caleb Williams – Oklahoma is going to be one of the most unpredictable teams in the country when it comes to, to uh, you know, again, I'm not a big fan of preseason polls by any means, but we're going to start seeing them any time. But a brand-new coach, certainly highly uh, uh, thought of and, uh, and venable, uh, but lost both starting quarterbacks that they had this year on a mm, – in between Oklahoma team, as far as as they're, they're the strength of this team, uh, but Caleb Williams uh, and we don't Shane Riley's already left and signed with South Carolina. Caleb Williams has gone into the portal, and I don't know whether he's going to be back. I mean, people think he'll be back, but I don't know. You know, USC keeps coming up in the conversation. Obviously, you, UCLA as well, out in the Pac-10 or Pac-12, excuse me. LSU has talked about Caleb Williams with Brian Kelly out there looking for his uh, quarterback to to run his franchise, his new uh, program, I should say. Um, I've heard Maryland mentioned, but I don't know that he's going to go to Maryland. You know, I mean, this is a kid who can certainly be, if not his pick of of uh, Power Five conference higher ranked teams in Power Five than Maryland. Um, I doubt he's going to go to Maryland. But, again, wide open uh, field for uh, the, the services of one Caleb Williams, who really came on strong last year as a freshman. Uh, Jackson Dart, another quarterback uh, who's a freshman and leaving USC. Uh, he's in the portal. Bobby Ashford's still out there among quarterbacks. Emery Jones, uh, who uh, had some up and down moments with Florida. He's a junior. He's looking around. Braxton Burmeister from from uh, Virginia Tech had a disappointing season this year. Um, uh, uh, and, I, you know, again, Georgia Tech – or Virginia Tech, rather, um, kind of starting over with a new head coach, and, and they're going to have a new quarterback next year as well. So who else is on uh, – those are kind of quarterbacks that are on the uh, – uh still on the market for lack of a better term. The best available running backs. You got uh, uh Bussard, a junior out of Colorado, um, who's probably looking to stay out west and probably stay in well, he'll look at the Texas programs most likely, and maybe Arizona. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go to Arizona. Watch out for Arizona next year. didn't win a game into Pac-12, won one game all year. But if you're looking for a sleeper who might, you know, I'm not saying they're going to compete for a national championship. If you're looking for somebody with some some, uh, you know, taking a next step in a coach's uh, uh, second year, this would be a place to kind of look real quick. As uh, I really think that uh, Jed Fish, uh, former uh, coach with the New England Patriots, may get this program heading in the right direction. We'll see. What's uh, Jory got here? Sorry, Jory. Um, I welcome, too, if I didn't welcome you in tonight, Jory. Uh, If Venable can get OU's defense to force more than two punts a game, he'll be a godsend. Uh, It's a good point. Uh, And he has. And look, at the transfer portal has been a godsend for many coaches, right? I mean, look at how guys like Mel Tucker, we're talking about guys in their second year. Uh, Mel Tucker is a guy who didn't have a great – uh, second uh, draft class, their draft class, um, recruiting class last year, but he really was able to kind of make up for it and coaches can make up for it in the transfer portal now. So it's added a whole new layer of uh, of depth to um, the, um, what's the word I want to get to? Uh, the way coaches can come in and trans- uh, transform a program Ala Mel Tucker at uh, Michigan State the last two years, and Arizona is a place that you might see that happen because Jed Fish has had a couple of decent recruiting classes, but he's been very very active in the transfer portal this year. Uh, so let's keep an eye. There's a there's a school to keep an eye on. We'll we'll be talking more about that again uh, as we go through the summer months and and teams that, that maybe are really languished at the bottom, who's going to make maybe the next step, but some coaches in their second, third year, uh, maybe ready to make a move. Uh, some other running backs uh, still out there, Oregon's fifth-year senior, uh, Travis Die, again, most likely going to. It's possible that he may reunite with uh, Mario Cristobal, who's going to be very, very active um, and trying to turn this Miami program around fast. And you don't be shocked to see him very active in transfer portal the next two seasons. Um, What else are we interested in? Wide receivers. Let's take a quick look at the wide receiver. uh, Oops, I lost my. uh, Okay, I lost my little cheat sheet here. Who's left on the wide receivers side? Well, it'd be better if I could tell what the hell I was doing. There we go. Uh, Malik Heath from Mississippi State, uh, you know, played in that Mike Leach system the last couple of years. He's going to be, uh, uh, you know, probably w- sought after very highly, I would think. Um, he went the Juku, ju- uh, junior college route, then spent some time uh, the, since 2020 playing only 10 games, I think, uh, uh, and starting six with Mississippi State. But he's going to be sought after wide receiver. Uh, Jeremy Singleton uh, out of uh, Houston. These are all seniors. Javon, ba- Javon, uh, Javon Baker is a sophomore out of Alabama looking to move on. Uh, he'll probably stay in the SEC, maybe with old Miss or Florida. Carmen, uh, boy, I'm having trouble with names. I'm having trouble with everything today. Oh, I had a little procedure today, guys. I'm a little foggy. So I apologize for that ahead of time um uh, Marley from Tennessee he's a freshman he'll be he'll be looking to move on he'll probably stay in the SEC maybe go to the ACC we'll see what happens there uh let's see what Rick's got here if you like you said in pa- uh like I've said in past shows I guess do you want the third string of Georgia or Alabama or start somewhere else you know you're going to see more of this I think Rick um you know there's there's two sides the transfer portal and the the uh NIL uh, conversation right? There's a whole group of people who think it'll just make the 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 rich get richer, the Alabamas, the Georges, the Clemsons, or it's going to help the 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 have-nots get stronger and and level the playing field a little bit because they can go somewhere else. Um, as we talked about, uh, I mean, uh, who's a guy we were just talking about from Alabama, Javon Baker. Um, he can go say to Ole Miss and be a star and, and maybe get some NIL money. And I want to talk about that too, at some point, I don't know if we'll talk about it tonight, but we can get into it if anybody's interested in doing that. I mean, I think this NIL thing is going to kind of, it's going to start to regulate itself. I mean, right now there's money getting thrown around like crazy to guys who are probably not deserving guys who are never going to play it down for, for the school, like the quarterback uh, from Ohio State, I, I don't remember his name even anymore. But he got a million dollars, never never going to set foot on the on the field. So I think this is going to start regulating itself, and the money going to start going to the players that, you know, are probably more top shelf. And they're going to be more selective in who they give this money to. Um, you know, Derek King with Miami is a good example. I mean, he got a lot of money from the Florida Panthers. But what kind of return did they get on that investment? So... As, as these guys who are paying the NIL money start to see, uh, I, what did I get out of this investment that I made in this player? They're going to start being more selective in who and what they give uh, out, I believe. So I think it's something that will take care of itself. How, which side it comes out on? I don't know. And if, probably as they get more selective, then it's going to help strengthen the power schools like Alabama and Georgia. Because, again, where are you going to get your money if guys at these smaller schools, uh, you know, alumni and, and, and boosters and the money, ha- the people who have that money to throw around start to get more selective, well, you know, they're not going to spend money on guys going to Jackson State or going to, uh, you know, I don't know, Florida International. I don't know. So we'll see how it plays out the next couple of years. So those are a couple of things. The transfer portal is going to be very interesting. Guys could still enter it. I don't know uh, that there's any deadline uh, for the coming season. Um, We could probably look that up, and we'll get that information out to you guys. But, you know, look, I'm still not a big fan of the transfer portal. I'm more a fan of if your coach leaves, who's promised you, you know, uh, he recruited you and sat in your living room and says, I want you to come and play for me for the next three, four years and he's gone before you ever play it down or, or after your freshman year, any point in your career, then I think you should be able to, to move on to a place that you're more comfortable with a coach or whatever the situation might be. But to just open the doors and the floodgates for everybody every single year so that everybody's a free agent. And I think there is a limit of two times that you can move. Um, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I think we said we can move as much as you want, but I think there's two times you can move. Um, I'm not in favor of that type of uh, open market for these guys. There's no commitment, there's no level of commitment to a school for for any length of time. I mean, I, I can leave whenever I want. Coaches the same way. We've talked about this for a long time. the instability, and we're seeing it more in football. Well, basketball's got the same situation. so I don't know. I I'm not a big fan of where we're going with this whole situation. There's a movie out called uh, National Champions, and I-, I rented it, and I have I started to watch it and I fell asleep actually, but it looks very good. Uh, J.K. Uh, think J.K. Simmons is his, is the actor's name who plays the coach, but it's a story of a national a team getting ready to play for a national championship, and they go on strike to get paid and threaten to cancel the national championship game. So I'm interested to watch this. It's a movie. It's not based on, you know, real life, but, it, you know, <laughs> lately, some of these movies have been very predictive of what will happen in real life later on. It's funny. I watched a movie, a 2002 movie about uh, called Contagion. You would think it was made last year about the the pandemic that we've all been living through for the last two years, so... It's very interesting um, how life sometimes will parallel art uh, and art might be a little loosely held term, but um, it's very interesting how how it can follow it sometimes. So I'm going to watch that movie and I'll give you guys a review and and see uh, what it, how it all turns out and what it looks like. Um, One of the other topics I want to chat about on the college level, and we chatted about a little bit already Um, the Jim Harbaugh story continues to evolve. He's now talking with Michigan first serious talks he's had since the playoff and the bad loss he had to Georgia. And as we talked about here and on other shows, he's turned, he turned around Michigan this year, had a great look at the end of the season and the playoff does not take away from the, from what Jim Harbaugh accomplished this year. And he's had a good run at Michigan. And he accomplished things this year that had happened in a while. He had never beaten Ohio State. It happened this year. Michigan hadn't won the Big Ten in 17 years, and they won it. Michigan had never been to the playoff. They got there. So the question becomes, Now, and Jim Harbaugh took a big salary cut, and he was asked about it before the, the season, and, or I'm sorry, before the championship game or the semifinal, final, uh, not the championship game, but the semifinal game. And he said he'd do this job for free. Well, nobody's doing the job for free. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's a great coach. I know he has great passion for the game. He's not going to do it for free. And I do think Jim Harbaugh's got an itch to get back in the NFL before. You know, he feels maybe he's too old to be there. He's 58 years old, I believe. And uh, this is a time that he may look to make that jump. Um, but again, he... It, <laughs> Michigan's in the mix again because they're talking now about extending and, and, and maybe, you know, putting more money back into the contract that they took away uh, before this year uh, because Harbaugh is on, on the list, on the short list of some teams in, in, uh, in the NFL. I have not heard of anybody having an interview with Jim Harbaugh yet. I'm a little surprised. Um, but they may be busy getting, you know, in the 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 assistance that they want to get in, especially the guys who are in the playoffs, and they've only got a short window during the playoff uh, uh, time to to have those conversations. Uh, so they may be tying up their time there. But Harbaugh, I still think, is going to be in play in several places. The Raiders, if they don't uh, 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 keep biatcha uh, if they don't, uh, the the Bears are going to be in play, I would think, and that'd be. A, I think that's a place that Harbaugh would like to to consider if he was returning to the NFL because he played there for a long time. He's got ties to the city of Chicago, and they've got a fr- potentially a franchise quarterback there in Josh Fields. We'll see how that works out. He's. We've talked about him potentially talking to the Vikings. I'm not sure the Vikings is the best situation for him. Um, for either the team or for him, I think they'd be better off. And I think Rick mentioned his name on one of our previous shows, uh, Doug Peterson for the for the Vikings. But sticking with Harbaugh, Dallas is an intriguing situation. Jerry Jones is very impetuous. Who knows what he's going to do? Jerry brought it up before. Be very interesting to see. Uh, it's only been a few days uh, since uh, Dallas went out again in the first round. And they did it very meekly in my mind. I mean, Dak Prescott, I know, and Kenny's not with us tonight. Kenny doesn't like Dak. I think Dak is a good NFL quarterback, a very good NFL quarterback. And I think that Jim Harbaugh would be very interested in coaching the Cowboys because of Dak Prescott, not because he's going to come in there and bring in a different quarterback. So anyway, Jim Harbaugh, I don't know. What's he do? You guys tell me. Share your comments. Does he stay at Michigan? I mean, there's two. There's two things involved here, right? What should he do? What will he do? I think he's coming back to the NFL, and I think this is the time for him to come back. And I think he should go to Chicago myself, because I think Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, by the way, has not has taken over teams that are not looking at that moment like they're ready to win football games and taking them to championship games very quickly. He had their 49ers, a team that I believe won two games uh, the year before he got there. He had them in the NFC championship game in just a couple of years. So Jim Harbaugh, um, very interesting to see what he might do. A couple other odds and ends around uh, around football before we jump and again i'll jump back to football if, if you guys or somebody else comes in uh to the show um you know during the show we'll, we'll jump back and forth if we have to i mean we jumped back to football as uh as jory had brought it up and, and rick had kind of gone there as well um so I, I i want to get my talking points in uh the only other thing i really wanted to chat about i thought it was kind of interesting that uh, Gary Patterson decided to join uh, Steve Scarsazian's uh, staff at Texas, an off-field role. Hang on, let me put this thing on mute because that's going to play. Uh, so it's kind of undetermined, I guess, what his role will be. He is a defensive specialist, and Texas had some trouble on that side of the football this year. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, what how that might turn out. Uh, for Texas and for Patterson and and what that does for his chances to get a job somewhere else, Uh, what it means to uh, Scarsagian um, and whether it puts any pressure on him if the Longhorns don't start to turn things around. So I I found that to be kind of an interesting development here the last few days. Uh, What else has been going on in the world of college football? Anything else? Jerry Rice's son, by the way. Um, in the transfer portal, he was a wide receiver at – I think he's a wide receiver, isn't he? Let's just double-check and make sure. Yes, Brendan, uh, Brendan Rice will be transferring from Colorado to USC. Look at – Lincoln Riley's going to really get USC moving, I think, very quickly um, as we go forward here. So a tr- an interesting – a very interesting, I think, uh, transfer of, uh, of Rice – you know, he hasn't done a whole lot. He was only a freshman last year. I think he had six catches or so for the entire year, but he's now going to a school uh, with a little bit more exposure. And uh, look at they've already brought in Mario Williams from uh, Oklahoma. So it's going to be interesting. I, I still think Caleb Williams may end up with his old coach, Lincoln Riley, at USC. So we'll see how that plays out. Why doesn't this thing want to... There we go want to mute that so it doesn't come on so anyway look it other than that not a lot going on in the world of college football there will be as we go forward but let's jump you know into college basketball we talked a little bit let's let's take a quick look at the uh uh let's get into uh let's see what we want to do let's jump into jump into the top 25. i talked and you know this goes hand in hand with the parody conversation that i had a second ago You know, does parity rule? Five different number ones so far this year. Duke, Purdue, Kansas, Gonzaga, and uh, mm, Baylor um, have all been number one this year. Gonzaga's moved back to number one now. Just ahead of uh, Auburn, by the way, it was playing lights out. You watch out for this Auburn team come tournament time. Bruce Pearl has got some guys that can play some basketball. Man, I got to tell you, uh, they like to move the ball up and down the field, up and down the field. Yeah, sorry, the, the football uh, is hard to get out of me right now. Um, but they're just tearing it up right now, playing great, great basketball, and they're going to be tough. They're 16 and 1 in a really good SEC, in my mind. League's much better this year, especially with the resurgence of Kentucky. Uh, LSU is playing much better uh, basketball. And top to bottom, you got Tennessee who could contend there. But I think the SEC, and I think Bruce Pearl, look, at, he's a very polarizing figure, right? He got. He, he really burned hot and fast at Tennessee, flamed out with some scandal, uh, chasing him out of town, rehabbed his re, uh, his reputation, and got a nice job at Auburn, and has done a great job with that school the last few years. But as far as the top uh, twenty-five goes, Gonzaga, as I said, did move back into first. Actually, Auburn had more first-place votes this this week than uh, than Gonzaga, but they jumped back uh, into the number one spot. Only with two losses, but, you know, they have not really, they don't have many signature wins uh, either. Um, so, got to be careful if you're Gonzaga because the league isn't that good. They need to keep winning. This isn't a Gonzaga. It's a good Gonzaga team. Mark Fuse always rebuilding, reloading really quickly. It's a good Gonzaga team. It is not the powerhouse that it was last year. It's not generating the heat and the conversation that they did last year as they went through an undefeated regular season. Um, (laughs) I don't want people to think I'm SEC elitist. And I don't think that, I don't know, even the term even applies in basketball, (laughs) Rick, as Kentucky's, you know, Kentucky's really the only school with any uh, real history uh, basketball-wise in the SEC, right? I mean, since we're talking about it, let's take a quick look there. I mean, Auburn, they've never won a championship that I'm aware of. Ah, uh, Texas A&M is a football school. These are all football schools. LSU's had some good teams through the years when Dale Brown was the coach there. Uh, Arkansas did win a couple national championships under uh, Nolan Richardson. Had some really good teams under Eddie Sutton back in the seventies and eighties. Um, Tennessee's had good teams, but never really gotten anywhere over the top. Missouri's had some good teams, but this is Alabama's had some good basketball teams. They've been one of the disappointments of this year for me too, by the way, Alabama. Um, but it's fun to watch. This is a good league. Um, but again, I don't think we're, I don't think we can be SEC elitists talking about the SEC and basketball. I don't think maybe we can, I don't know. I do throw the term around myself when it comes to football. Um, Rick, I don't think you necessarily are an SEC elitist. I think you have your school and you, you know you're you're a, you're a fan of your school, and I think that's, and you're true to your Trudy school, and that's the way it should be. But you know, there's people who think uh, the SEC is uh, the end-all, be-all in college football, and they're strong right now. But these things work in cycles, guys. It'll cycle back through. This has been a long cycle, one of the longer ones. But you know, somebody, another conference will rise to the top eventually. So if you're an SEC elitist, enjoy the ride. That's all I can tell you. Uh, where else we got? Arizona has jumped up three spots. They're 14 and one, uh, doing really well, uh, there under Sean Miller. Um, again, after riding through some scandal ridden, uh, and treacherous waters, uh, and I don't even know that it's over yet, but we'll see. Uh, former number one this year, Purdue is 14 and two, and they've jumped up three spots to the fourth spot. Baylor, who's lost two straight now after winning a bunch of games. Now it's two straight at home, Uh, two straight conference games at that. Dropped four places down to number five. Duke does move up a couple of spots, uh, before, but they did lose uh, the other night, as we said, to uh, an unranked Florida State team. So they'll be dropping potentially out of the top ten this next poll, depending on what happens the rest of the week. Kansas, who spent some time at the number one spot moves back up to number seven. they've been playing really good basketball of late. Wisconsin jumps up five spots. Wisconsin is always sneaky good and this is no uh, th- this season doesn't seem to be a, any uh, a different. They're 14 and two they sneak up on people. Big Ten, another conference that's really deep I think um and possibly let's take a quick look at the big Ten. And, and possibly is going to put a lot of teams in the, in the uh, tournament, as we talked about. I mean, right now you got Wisconsin leading uh, the Big Ten at 6-1, and one, but right behind them is Illinois, who's also ranked in the top 20 at 17. you got Michigan, who's starting to get it back together. Or, I'm sorry, Michigan State. Uh, my bad. Uh, Michigan State, who's been as, in the top five this year. They're at 14 now. Uh, they're starting to play a little bit better, even though they had a loss uh, uh, the other night. They're 14 and three, and one of the best coaches in the country uh, sits on that sideline, as we all know. Uh, Ohio State, 12 and four, ranked 19. Rutgers, not ranked, but they're 10 and six. Very, very, very uh, Jekyll and Hyde team, Rutgers, the last three years. And then you got Purdue, who sits actually in like sixth place in the conference, but they're fourth in the country, 50 and two overall. There's six teams. And I do see, you know, Indiana with a shot, Iowa with a shot, uh, Michigan, you can't count out, even though they're off to a horrible start. And Juwan Howard's trying to figure it out there um, and get them back on the right track after a great year last year. Um, this team, th- but this league could have, you know, eight bids this uh, uh, this come tournament time. So very strong uh, conference. UCLA, who's, you know, tumbled a lid, they fall six spots this last week. But uh, look at they're, they're they're an elite team still, and Mitch Crones Crones done a great job. Cronin's done a great job there uh, in getting UCLA back to the top. Uh, got them to the Final Four last year when nobody expected it, and uh, beating Gonzaga along the way. Uh, Houston, who people thought they lost a lot when they lost Grimes and and some other players to the NBA, and a few a couple guys transfer, but. Uh, Uh, Sampson has this team again in the top 10 at 15 and two, probably the only team in the AAC that is going to make it. Uh, It's probably going to be a one bid league unless Houston doesn't win the conference tournament. Uh, then they'll probably get two bids. Maybe they will sneak two out anyway. I doubt it. Uh, Villanova playing better basketball, the big East. (laughs) Let's talk about the big East while we're talking about the Villanova. Villanova is one. They jump up three spots or 13 and four. Um, and they're they're leading the Big East, obviously. It's six and one. Providence, who's been one of the big surprises, hanging in there at uh, at number twenty one. Uh, the league is not what it was years ago, but it's not bad. There's five teams. I'm sorry, four teams in the top twenty five. You got a few teams that have been there. Marquette's been in the top twenty five at different times this year. Uh, Saint John's, who just can't seem to get over the hump under Mike Anderson. Um, I still like St. John's chances here of getting on a run here in in, in uh, February and March and and making a run to the to the tournament, which they just missed last year. Um, the real disappointment here is Georgetown not being able to build off of the their March uh, run through the Big East tournament last year and beating some really good teams, including St. John's last year in that tournament. So the league's good at the top, but not nearly as deep as it's been in years past. But again, it's starting to resurge a little bit. Back to our rankings, where did we leave off? Villanova. Then you got Kentucky. We talked about the Blue Bloods coming back. Duke is back this year. Maybe they're not quite the Duke that we remember, but they're certainly better than they were last year. Horrible year for Duke and Mike Krzyzewski. Um North Carolina back in, in Hubert Davis's first season at the helm. Uh, basically, Roy Williams' hand-picked successor. Um, kind of on the tournament bubble probably right now. They are 12-4, and four, but the league is not that good this year, and they're going to need some help to probably um, – not some help but they're going to need to get better and, and and probably win some they're going to need to be duke and they may need to win the ncc the acc tournament to get into the uh, the big dance but their number one key is they got to just keep winning games and build on that uh, that record but they're back again they were not good last year michigan state went through some travails last year which a lot of teams did um, during the covid uh, season because it played havoc with college basketball last year. It really did. With all college sports and sports in general, as we all know. Uh, but it's good to see. It's good, To me, you know, I think college basketball, like college football, is better when Alabama's good, right? It's better when Florida State's good. It's better when USC is good. It's better when Ohio State and Michigan are good. College basketball is better when Kentucky's good and Duke is good and North Carolina is good. And, and and it's good for the game when these teams get back, you know, close to where they've been uh, historically. So good for Kentucky and John Calipari. They jump up six spots to number 12 this week. They lead the uh, SEC, as we talked about. LSU and the SEC as well, 15 and 12. Uh, they did drop a spot this week, but still at number 13. Uh, Iowa uh, Michigan State. Sorry, uh, is next at fourteen and three. They did drop four spots with a couple losses uh, recently, um, but again, this team is is certainly uh, one of the better coach teams in the country. One of the teams that you do not want to play come tournament time, whether it's the Big Ten tournament or the uh, NCAA tournament, is Michigan State because when it, when, when when tournament time comes around. This, that's the time that uh, Tom uh, Izzo really gets his teams uh, cranking on all cylinders. I mean, he's he's taken more teams to the Final Four that I never thought would have a shot than, than any coach I can think of. And he's just one of the great coaches uh, in the game. And, uh, you know, these guys are starting to get up in age too. We're going to lose a lot of really good coaches soon uh, while I'm thinking about it. Krzyzewski's only got a couple of years right, left, right? We just lost Roy Williams. Uh, when I say lost, he's not coaching anymore. He didn't, he didn't pass away. Um, Izzo, who knows how much longer he's going to hold on. Um, Jay Wright's probably got some time left, but, uh, you know, there's some, there's some legendary coaches that, again, we're going to lose here soon uh, to the sidelines, not out of life, hopefully. Um, but it's going to be tough when we see that happen. It's never good. It's never fun to see that. As much as guys might hate Duke and Mike Krzyzewski, you either love him or you hate him, and it's good for the game. He's polarizing figure, and he's a great, great, great coach. I don't care what you think about Mike Shisevsky and Duke. He's a great coach. And resisted many a temptation to leave Duke and go to the NBA. Among other places, I'm sure Iowa State out of the Big Twelve, uh, 14 and three. The Big Twelve again. There's another uh, league as we're talking about uh, conferences that are deep. Let's take a quick look at the Big Twelve while we're talking about it. You've got one, two, three, four, five teams ranked in the top 25. Kansas leading the way. We just talked about uh, uh, Iowa State. I mean, they're they're. Second to last in a conference, but they're ranked 15th in a country. They're 14 and 4 overall. All of his losses, all of their losses in conference. So they need to get it together in conference. But look at this. This league is liable to put in one, two, three. Uh TCU. I don't know. Four, five, six. If Oklahoma can play a decent conference schedule on their first year, Coach Porter Mosier. This could be a seven or eight bid league as well. I think I may sneeze. Hold on. Nope, I guess not. All right. What's next? Oh, USC. Again, one of the, uh, Cinderella's last year, uh, playing well again this year, 14 and two, but they've dropped two games in the last week or so, and they've dropped 11 spots. That's a huge drop for any team, uh, in a week, uh, they dropped 11 spots to number 16, Illinois starting to get it together. They move up eight spots to number 17. Again, a very, very good basketball team uh, in the Big Ten, which is kind of deep, as we mentioned. And uh, once again, this is this is a, a team with a really good, solid veteran squad and a veteran coach in Brad Underwood. Um who has, you know, coached, if you remember, he almost took, uh, gosh, what was the, uh, oh, man, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Gosh, what was the school he took almost to the uh, Elite Eight a couple years ago? Hold on here. Stephen F. Austin a couple years ago got him a job at Oklahoma State with a great run in the tournament, um, which turned into a job at Illinois. I think he only spent a year. I think he only spent a year at Oklahoma State and then moved on to Illinois again. But he's a veteran coach and he's got a good veteran squad. If you can have a veteran squad in college basketball anymore, you know, those are the teams. That's why the mid majors can compete more. When we get to tournament time, you see teams like, well, it used to be Gonzaga. Now they're losing guys early, but they used to keep guys four years. But you'll see teams from, let me just take a quick look through here. I mean, the loyals of Chicago is a great example, right? Four four-year kids. They can, because of their their experience, they can get into the tournament and compete with these teams that are built around freshmen that are going to be there one year and done. Freshmen and sophomores. You know, the AAC's got some teams that can do that. Uh Chicago uh Loyal to Chicago, watch out again come tournament time this year. Very good uh, veteran team. Who's some other teams that uh, have that? Wichita State's another one uh, that has, has uh, this year, they're not as good as they've been. I'm just looking at some some names of teams, you know, the teams that we know it, that have been mid majors that have made an impact in recent years um, in the tournament because they're able to keep kids four years. And if they've got a good veteran squad, that, that is comfortable with each other and in a good system and well-coached, you know, good coaching, good guard play, you can really make a run in, in the in the conference, especially if you've got a seasoned team. So watch out for some of these schools, and we'll talk about it as we get closer to uh, the tournament and getting closer to talking about teams to watch out for that we're not going to be thinking about. They're not going to be on the top four lines of the of the tournament. Because this is going to be a wide open tournament. We talked, I, mean, I talked about parity a couple of times, right? I don't know. There could be 16 schools, maybe more, that could win this tournament. You're going to see an outlier in the in the final four again this year. You know, along the lines of a George Mason from years ago and Butler from years ago and VCU, uh, Loyola Chicago more recently. You're going to see one of those outliers in the final four this year. I'd bet anything on it. Let's finish up the top 25. Texas Tech, who recently beat Baylor. Uh, Again, one of those teams uh, in that deep Big 12 that will probably make the tournament. Um, They move up uh, one spot to number 18. Ohio State. A bit up and down this year, but they're eleven and four. They've dropped three spots to number nineteen. Xavier drops three spots in the Big East. Providence moves up to Loyola Chicago, who we talked about in the top twenty-five, doing very well, thirteen and two. Porter Moser left behind some really good veteran players, as we said. He's doing really well at Oklahoma. Struggling, he played a great. His team played a great non-conference uh, schedule. Uh, well, at least did well in a non-conference part of their schedule uh they're starting to struggle a little bit in the big 12 but i you know this team can finish 500 and not you know have a win a couple games in the big 12 con- uh, tournament then they're liable to be in the in the in the big dance as well texas uh with a new coach there as well uh is 13 and 4 so the surprising uh move of uh um. Oh, gosh. Now I'm forgetting the guy's name. Who? Uh, hang on. Here we go again. Keith's memory issues have cropped up. Shaka Smart, of course, surprisingly. Maybe ahead of the posse a year because, you know, he hadn't really gotten Texas off the ground too much. Uh, but he jumped ship and went to Marquette from Texas. So a bit of a surprise there. And Texas... Again, the kids he left behind there, plus the kids that have come in uh, under their new coach, uh, Chris Beard, formerly from Texas Tech, um, playing pretty good basketball this year. So keep an eye on Texas as we go through uh, the conference play and and conference tournaments, which are, as I said, a month, uh, six weeks away. Uh, And then you got UConn from the Big Ten. I'm sorry, (laughs) The, the Big East uh, at rounding things out at eleven and four. Iowa, as I talked about last week, Fran McCafferty starting to kind of creep back up to the standings. They were uh, just missed uh, being in the top twenty-five this week. Davidson, who's played very well um, early on in the A-10. I would have lost last night, I believe. Um, But they're just on the outside of the top 25. Alabama just on the outside. San Diego State. Miami. Very surprising that Jim Laringara's team is not in the top 25 after that win against Duke. And if they continue to play the way they're playing, and again, don't go flame out in the ACC tournament, they should be a tournament team come uh, March. Uh, let's see. So, again, you know, the rankings, this is a, this is, look at all the teams we talked about. There's a lot of contenders uh, once we get to, get to March, because look at the five teams that have been, that have been uh, uh, at the top of these uh, standings all year. I think I said Gonzaga beat, uh, by the way, I think I said UCLA knocked Gonzaga out of the tournament last year. And I just realized I was wrong. They, they lost to Gonzaga. Gonzaga lost to Baylor. Well, last year was a, was a, uh, felt like a, just a run up waiting to see, uh, a Baylor Gonzaga final. This year doesn't feel like that. It feels wide open again, five, five teams have been number one and, any one of them, I, you could say, has got a chance to win a national championship along with a ton of other teams. And you're going to see a team get hot in March that's going to come out of nowhere to be close for sure. Um. So let's see, take a quick look at some of the, the, uh, the leagues that we talked about. I want to start with the Metro Atlantic. I talked about, and I don't have a uh, – I don't have a banner for this, but um, I want to talk about Iona and Rick Patino. We started to talk about it last year. So I want to talk about some of the teams around the New York area. And quite frankly, Iona might be the best team in the New York area. Seton Hall's played pretty well. St. John's has been up and down. Rutgers up and down. Syracuse has been terrible. Obviously, we're moving out of the city, New Jersey area, into upstate. Syracuse has been awful. Syracuse has has not been good for for a number of years now. uh, And they have not – this move to the ACC has not paid off for them. But Iona, I think, is probably the best team in the local area. When I say local – I'm upstate New York, East Greenbush, New York, a few hours from Syracuse, a few hours from the city. Rick Pitino, after being exiled for, I don't know, four or five years, whatever it was, uh, uh, with his after his travails at Louisville that resulted in him losing a national championship banner and being put on probation, gets a second... I guess not a second chance. God, Rick, Rick Pitino's coached everywhere I can, you can think of, but he's gotten schools like BU, Providence, Kentucky, Louisville, and soon to be and Iona to the to the uh, to the, the the tournament, the national tournament. Five schools. He's taken three of them to the final four and won a national championship, albeit one taken away, with two of them. One of the great coaches in the game. I think, Yeah, and again, Rick Petino's not a young guy, but he's in a great situation there at Iona. Iona's got a pretty decent history in, in college basketball. And I mentioned this before, and I've read this this that uh, that this school has got the potential to become the Gonzaga of the East, and Rick Patino could put that school on the map. He's fifteen and three right now, seven and zero in the MAC. The MAC not not as strong as it's been in recent years, but starting to get better. St. Peter's is playing good ball, by the way. A good friend of the show, Butch Lee's uh, son, plays for St. Peter's, and is doing very well there. And I hope to see him and maybe see Butch when they come up to play Siena in league play. I've got to actually reach out to him and check the schedule and see what's going on. Let me see when that is, actually. Let's take a quick look at St. Peter's. I hope I haven't missed that. I promised, uh, promised Butch I'd reach out to him and we might get together and have a beer when they come up. Here they come. Gosh, I hope I'm in town. It's the 30th of this month. Nice, that's a Sunday at, let's hope that's a a one o'clock game. What a perfect day. Oh, football. Mm. Not sure how we're gonna make that work. We really wanna be able to see. Um, Actually, Cosmos says hello, hello, Cosmos. They will dance with Patino. No A in Patino there, Cosmo. But welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you here. I, I'm a big proponent of uh, Rick Patino, what he's done at Iona. Uh, I got off on a little tangent talking about St. Peter's and talking about the uh, um, the Metro. But that league is, you know, it's a representative league. And Siena here locally uh, is 3-1 uh, in the conference, I believe. Trying to get back there now. Um. Yeah, three and one or six and six. They've even their their overall record. Again, this is a one bid school, right? And Iona is going to win this. I'm not sure where the, the tournament's played this year. I hope it's here in Albany. Uh, if it is, I'm very likely to uh, uh, make a multiple day uh, event out of going to the tournament this year um, because I want to see. First of all, I want to see Saint Peter's and and uh, Butch's son play. And I also want to see uh, Iona and uh, Rick Pitino's team play, as well as the Siena Saints, obviously. So, Carlos, welcome, Carlos. Iona will make the Mac stronger. Mm -hmm. Well, look at Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino is going to make any league stronger, right? Because, you know, And I'm a firm believer that the better leagues are at the top, the better the teams below them have a chance to get better because better kids are going to want to come in and play to that competition. The MAC has not been a bad league over the years either, by the way, Uh, um, Carlos. Being a Siena, being up here in the Albany area and walking Siena through a lot of years with Mike Dean as a coach um, to get started, Mike Dean took them to a couple NCAA tournaments almost won an NIT tournament when the NIT still was, you know, a, a decent um, a decent tournament. Uh, and they had good years under uh, Paul Hewitt, went to the NCAA tournament a couple of times, got him a big job. Mike Dean moved on to Marquette. So this has been a good stepping stone job for a lot of guys. Um, Paul Hewitt, as we mentioned, uh, he got the job at Georgia Tech. Uh, didn't do very well at Georgia Tech. Mike Dean had – Early success at, at Marquette, and then went on to coach uh, a few different places. He's back here living in the Albany area. Um, might even be living in Amsterdam. I'm not sure. I can't remember now where he's uh, he's uh, officially living. Um, who else? Fran McCaffrey came in here and took Siena to, I think, back-to-back tournaments and won games. Right, Iona's had some success in a tournament in years past. They go back to to Jim Valvano's days. Yeah, we talked, and Carlos, you might have missed it, but then welcome tonight, Carlos, uh, by the way. Um, we talked about how not just Kentucky and Louisville, right? He took BU from the Northeast Conference to the tournament. He took Providence to a Final Four when Providence, you know, was one of the little kids in the big East, they were, you know, they were, they weren't one of the big boys. He took a Providence team to the final four in 1987 the year that Syracuse lost Indiana and Keith Smart's jumper at this buzzer. I know I'm aging myself. So yes. And besides turning Kentucky around, um, and then foolishly leaving to go to the Celtics in my mind. Uh, and then coming to Louisville, he got the, he got that he got that program turned on uh, turned around and winning. and we all know that he went off the rails and they lost that national championship uh, to a scandal. Um, but Rick Patino, you cannot argue the fact that Rick Patino is a tremendous basketball coach. And as I said, and Carlos, if you missed my comments, he's got the chance to turn Iona into the Gonzaga of the East Coast. And I really think we need to look out for that. The rest of the schools, it's really a shame. The rest of the schools here in the New York area, uh, and when I say New York, I'm talking about New York, New Jersey, and even upstate here um, with Syracuse and, and the Albany area teams. Did he cheat? Well, I can't say about a ton of guys are breaking rules. Well, agreed, but some of the things that were going on, the institutional control, uh, to use the NCAA's phrasing at Louisville, certainly left something to be desired. And I'm sure it does a lot of schools. Um, And, you know, look at, you just can't be as blatant as what they were doing with strippers and everything else. Look at everybody's, skirting rules here and there you just can't you just can't go along breaking them and you also can't run around like you're a co-ed you know (laughs) how can i say this nicely you you can't be taking waitresses on the table in a restaurant when you're a married man and i'm not saying you know that every other coach in ncaa is is a saint but, you know, Rick Pitino was his own worst enemy at Louisville. I think I think Rick Pitino lost sight of who he was as a person and as a coach. And, uh, you know, he had to get away. Look, he got fired, so he didn't get away on his own. But he went overseas and coached. He started to get his perspective back. He wanted to get back in a college game, and Iona gave him that chance. And let's hope he doesn't squander it because he's really got something going there at Iona. And as I said, he can build a little powerhouse here on the East Coast that can potentially make some noise, uh, to use Cosmo's uh, comments here earlier. Not only will they dance, they got a chance to go to the tournament and win some games. When Again, I keep talking to you about tournament play. What you need to be successful is veteran Steady veteran guard play and good coaching. And you can play with the big boys who are playing with a bunch of freshmen who are just raw talent. Uh, I saw stuff with UT player getting privilege. Look, a lot of players get privileges. It goes beyond that. You know, it goes beyond that. You know, when you lose total control of your program, as a lot of coaches have done and this last scandal with – the FBI involved and there's guy, there's assistant coaches doing jail time guys. Things were really getting out of control. And I really hope that this last, and I don't even know that it's over this FBI probe and NCAA probe into some of these programs and some of the biggest programs in the country, Louisville, Arizona, Kansas. I'm just mentioning a couple there's some real – there's some real – guys doing some real time in jail because of things that went on, and I hope it scared coaches straight. Let's see what Carlos has got to say here. You need eight – you and your eight, nine guys. Not in a college game, you don't. Well, you do to play Rick Vitino's uh, style of basketball because it's it's full court, wall-to-wall, you know, pressing defense and and running with the basketball. So you're right there, but you don't have to go that deep as a mid-major. All you need is veteran play, solid veteran play and good coaching, and you've got a chance to knock teams off. You've seen it recently. You think Loyola Chicago a few years ago went eight or nine deep? Carlos, they didn't. You know, and... You think George Mason went eight or nine deep when they got to the final four here? Uh, Again, we're going back 10 years. VCU, Butler, these cool schools didn't go eight, nine deep. They got veteran players and rode them through the tournament. And that's how those teams can do it. Again, I just mentioned to you four or five instances, and not three or five guys, Carlos. I mean, that's, that's, again, you're going way too far to the other extreme. I never said three to five guys. But their rotations are going to be seven guys. You're going to get other guys with a little bit of playing time, but they're going to go, you know, seven-man rotations, eight-man at the tops when they get to tournament time because that's the way they're going to win. Arizona's been in trouble for a while. They're playing good basketball. Are they in trouble play- in a game right now? I'm not sure your context. Only Butler got close. How did only Butler got close? Only Butler got to a final. So getting to the final four isn't close enough for you, Carlos. For these for these mid majors, Loyola Chicago, George Mason, VCU, Butler. Butler almost won a national championship. uh, They were inside a half-court shot away from winning, and you watch that game that – oh, gosh, I can't remember the guy's name now, but put it up there. Gonzaga had, like, seven seniors. Well, that's the key. And Gonzaga's gotten away from that, by the way. You know, Gonzaga's got more one-and-done guys now or two-and-done guys now than they've ever had before. Um, because they're now a power, they're no longer a mid-major. I mean, they are a guy. They're a team that now can bring in the one and dons. Not, I'm not saying that's a good thing either, but they're definitely um, they're definitely not a team anymore that has to rely on you know the guys that nobody else wants. Great job by Mark Few. Great job by Mark Few. I'll wait for your next comments, Carlos. I'll move on to uh, the rest of these teams and locally, uh, not locally, but here in the in, in the uh, New York area. Who else has done? it? You know, St. John's has been a bit of a disappointment. They don't have a signature win. They got blown out in a chance. You know, when in their chance on national TV. Well, I don't know if the game was nationally televised. It was probably on ESPN. Against Kansas was really their chance to to make a statement for themselves. And they just couldn't do it. They got blown out in that game early. Um, they've rebounded. They're playing, you know, whatever. They're playing, I think they're 4-2 in the Big East. Let me check it out. Oh, I just got off that page. Now let me go back to it here. Oh, we'll put it here. Big East standings. Where's... Uh, Sorry, two and two. I knew I saw that. Ten and five overall, but they don't have a, a signature win on their resume. That's their biggest problem right now. Is they've got to get some good wins. Uh, unless they're going to win the Big East tournament, they're they're not going to make the tournament without doing that. Uh, if they don't really start to get on a run this weekend. Uh, at John's, I'm guessing you mean St. John's will rebound this weekend. Who they got coming up here? They got Seton Hall. I'm sorry, they don't have Seton Hall. Uh they're playing Creighton right now. Um yeah, they do have Seton Hall uh at home this weekend. Twelve o'clock on uh I'm gonna say that's Sunday or Saturday. That'll be a good game. And they got uh they got a big week coming up, man. They got Seton Hall back-to-back games, because one was postponed, I think, due to COVID earlier in the year. Then they got Villanova, then they got Providence. This is a big run for St. John's right this week. If they're gonna get themselves anywhere near the bubble for the NCAA tournament without winning the Big East tournament, this is the the two weeks, you know, between now and the 29th of uh January, they play Seton Hall twice, they play Villanova, they play Providence. All teams, well, Phil, Seton Hall is not ranked at the moment, but Villanova is and Providence is. This is a time St. John's has got to get it going. And I'm a big Mike Anderson fan. I I, I, I like the culture change that he brought to this program last year. Uh, they had a really good second half of the season. They had a tough loss. Uh, in, the, uh, in the Big East tournament and didn't quite get to the big dance. But I really thought this would be the year uh, that we would see that out of, uh, uh, out of St. John's. And, and they've still got time to turn it around and, and get things going here. Because about the time they got going last year was about now. Got a lot of talent on that team. Some good transfers coming in from out of conference. They brought a couple of the big players back um, from last year. Um, and, and by the way, um, I will tell you that, that the guys that are going to carry this team are going to be uh, Shimpagne, which I'm sure I said his name wrong, who's their, who's their big leader, and Pasha Alexander, who was the, the freshman of the year in the Big East last year. Uh, these are the guys that are going to have to really step up and carry this team. And they have up until this point. They have played pretty good basketball. Um, but again, as Carlos said, you can't win with two guys. So the rest of this team has got to step up and help the two stars uh, finish the job that they started last year. Win the Big East Championship, get to the big dance, and win a game or two. And then we'll say that St. John's has restored some of the prestige to that program. I still like Mike Anderson. I just think he's going to get it done. Uh, The other schools in the area, you know, uh, Seton Hall has been kind of up and down this year. They're 11-5. and Again, just not a lot of big wins on the the resume for them. Uh, When you look at their schedule, they did win at Michigan, which was a nice win or looked like a nice win back in, in December, whenever that game was. But you know Michigan's fallen on hard times and doesn't look anything like the team that we saw last year when Jawan Howard came in there and turned the program around. Um, they they lost to a, a just an okay Ohio State team. You know their best win is probably against Rutgers, who's been had their own problems. Nice win against uh, Connecticut, but now they lost two in a row to DePaul. Gosh, DePaul, you can't be losing to, uh, you can't be losing to DePaul, right? And to Marquette, Marquette's another streaky team, but, and they need to kind of get it together. Um, I think Shaka Smart's team may be a sneaky team to watch out for in March. I said, I think here last week, so save the tape. Uh, but again, Seton Hall is another team that just, these teams have got no signature wins. That's the problem. Outside of the conference, no big wins. And they really need to turn that around. Oh, somehow I'm looking at the football standings. That's not going to help me. Rutgers in the Big Ten. Really high hopes two years ago before COVID wiped out the tournament. Last year, they got in the tournament and played fairly well. Before losing in a close game in, in the uh, Sweet 16. Um, this year, again, more of the same up and down for Rutgers. Cannot quite put it together. A lot of Rutgers fans out there. I mean, look at, I was a Rutgers fan back in the 76 season when they went undefeated. And uh, Phil Sellers led that team, coached by Tom Young, to the final four before getting blown out. In the national semifinal, uh, by I believe, you uh, see, I don't know, Michigan. It was Michigan, Indiana. Indiana won undefeated that year, beat Michigan in the final. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, they lost in the semifinal to Indiana. Anyway. They finished uh, with two losses in the Final Four that year because they were still playing a consolation game, and they lost to UCLA. But it's been years since Rutgers has been, has been irrelevant. They haven't been a national championship threat since then, 46 years ago. Who else? Syracuse. Jim Bayheim. I really think it's almost time for Jim Bayheim to go. He's in his late 70s now. The zone isn't working. The move to the ACC was the worst thing to happen to him, and that wasn't his choice. It was a football move by Syracuse and Pittsburgh and BC and Miami. But they've lost their identity. They don't have natural rivals anymore. They don't have any natural rivals in the in the uh, ACC. Even the teams that came with them, they didn't. They weren't big rivalries. Their rivalries were St. John's and Georgetown and Connecticut, to a lesser extent. It's really hurt them going to the ACC, and they don't recruit the same level of kids that they recruited when they were in the the Big East. And I'm not saying it's Jim Bayheim's fault. It wasn't his decision to go there, but they've got to turn this thing around. You know, now they've got some guys that can shoot the basketball, which they have not had for a couple of years, except, you know, Jim, Buddy, Buddy Bayheim, maybe a little bit. Joe Gerard would have a local kid here from Glens Falls, would have some had some good games last year. But now they can't play defense. Nine and nine. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament without a, a good run through the a, uh, ACC here, the rest of the, the, the league schedule, and into the tournament. And then our local teams here, Albany U stinks this year. It's too bad. Um, new coach. A lot of new players. I tell you, this is, this is a school that brings in for a small school, well, you know, they're not playing uh, in a huge conference. They're not a big, 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 big school. Uh, they're playing in a small venue, but they bring kids in from overseas like they're playing, like they're, uh, you know, Seton Hall. But they're on a down cycle this year. Sienna's starting to come back into Mac, as we talked about. I'm excited about the Mac. Really excited about seeing some Mac games. Um, Carlos, I think you came in about the time. Um, I was talking about the Mac tournament. I hope it's in Albany this year. And I do hope to get to the Iona-Siena game here on the 30th. Actually, 1 o'clock wouldn't be bad because if there's football, that's probably championship weekend, if I'm not mistaken, in the NFL. So I'm not going to miss those games. But I likely wouldn't if it's a 1 o'clock game. The, the championship games aren't going to start 3 3.15. I can go to the game. Not Iona. Sorry, it was St. Peter's. I'm sorry, it's St. Peter's. Uh, I want to see the regular season game because I'd like to see a friend of the show, Butch Lee, a former uh, national champion and and uh, a national player of the year at Marquette back in the '70s. Uh, Butch Lee and his son uh, is the start. St. Peter's come in here and play. NIL ruined Syracuse. Those kids have big issues and and uh, little play to back it up. I don't. NIL didn't ruin Syracuse, uh, Carlos. Because this team was, has been trending downwards long before the NIL came into play this this year. They weren't good last year. They weren't good the year before. They have not been really good since they went to the ACC. I think they made one run. Maybe they made a run to the Final Four. At least to an Elite Eight. I think they might have made a run to a Final Four since they went to the ACC, but that was not even a good basketball team. That was just a team that got on a run in March. This team has not been a legitimate contender for a national championship in 10 years, at least. And that's just not acceptable for a school as rich in basketball history as Syracuse. What ruined Syracuse was the demise of the Big East. The same thing that led to its ascension. East Coast basketball, Carlos, in 1979, when the Big East came into play, was atrocious. Not atrocious. There were some good teams. You'd have good teams come out of the East once in a while. Syracuse went to a Final Four in the early 70s before Bayheim was a was the head coach with Hartfield? I think uh, uh, Roy Hartfield was the coach. Jim Lee led that team, and Rudy Hackett. Um, but again, they played in something called the ECAC, or they were independents. The forming of the Big East was actually when the Syracuse's, the Villanova's, the Georgetown's, all Rose, and the Pittsburgh's. Although they never quite got over the top, right? Even the Seton Halls were benefited from it. Connecticut, for certain, benefited from the rise of the Big East because it was the first school that was a TV, a television league. And that was the selling point. They could they could recruit from anywhere because they could see their kids play every, almost every game. So while the NIL probably has hurt them this year, it's hurt a lot of schools. And the NIL will take care of itself. As I said earlier in the show, the NIL is going to, you know, (laughs) it's going to run out of control for a few years, and then it's going to kind of get reined back in because (laughs) once these guys who are spending all this money on these kids are seeing no return on their investment, it's only going to be the big players that are going to get the money. So that's going to change. What else? Anything else you guys want to chat about before I wrap it up here tonight? Look, we're getting into just the heart of the basketball season. I'm excited to do it. We're going to continue to talk about football on Wednesday nights, as we did tonight uh, for a half an hour or so. Um, Some nights we may not have five minutes of football conversation. Other nights we might have half the show. But we're going to have a lot of talk about basketball for the next couple of months for sure. Um, I'll be going away on vacation, so we'll have to see what we're going to do about those couple of weeks. Um, Which we'll see what we're going to do also about um, our "Are You Serious" show and and the Sunday Stream of Consciousness for a couple of weeks. But we'll talk about it. We'll get it. We'll we'll, we'll make sure you guys have some content to watch, and I promise you some good stuff. But. I love being here on Wednesday nights. I love being here on Fridays with uh, Carlos, with the Are, Are You Serious uh, uh, show, uh, the mad New Yorker, Carlos Chavez, who also is certainly a big contributor to all of my shows. He a lot of the Northeast streaming sports shows. So we've enjoyed having you guys in tonight. Lo- enjoyed your your comments. And we're going to be uh, back next Wednesday night with the college sports huddle. Maybe that's what we'll call it for a while. But we've got other shows. We're going to be here on on Roku. Make sure you get Roku. If you've got a Roku TV, just go to Roku and download Northeast Streaming Sports. Get yourself a Roku stick. You can download Northeast Streaming Sports or add it to channel. You can watch these shows. You can watch this show on Thursday at noon on Roku. The RU serious show at noon on Roku on Fridays stream of consciousness show our sunday stream of consciousness show airs at noon on sundays and we've got our vlogs and other special interviews as well so we thank all of you for coming in i thank all the groups that will let me share this to you later on please add your comments you don't like the show you like the show we had some negative comments to one of our shows last week it's fine we're here to agree we're here to disagree We're all going through this life together, guys. Let's have some fun with sports. Let's not take it too serious, but let's have some fun. Keith Angle, TGI Sports Talk, Kyle Sports Huddle. I'll see you next week right here at Northeast Streaming Sports Network. Have a great night.